Welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with female thought leaders, experts, and founders. We will be digging deep while sharing experience, insights, and tips for busy Generation X women seeking ways to strip back, simplify, live intentionally, and create space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tamu Thomas, founder of the 360 brand. Now, before I talk about this week's fabulous episode, I am pumping the brakes to tell you or to remind you that I am a finalist in the Precious Lifestyle Awards in the podcast category, and I would absolutely love you to vote for me. I will put a link in the show notes so that you can go ahead and place your vote. I absolutely love creating this podcast and many of you say you love it too. So yes, please do vote for me. And I have another announcement to make. On Monday, the 24th of June, my Everyday Joy membership goes live. Hooray! I have created a membership because I have had too many conversations with women whose lives look great on paper and they have a lot to be quote-unquote grateful for, according to society, but are just not feeling it. And this creates feelings of shame and guilt for wanting more for themselves, guilt and shame for knowing they have more to give and more to receive. As you know, I wound down the clothing element of my business and I was feeling really called to do something that was more people facing, somewhere where I can be amongst community and be able to serve them really, really powerfully. And it took a little while for me to get there. Um, And all my commentary about blooming ecosystems led me to realize that I can do everything that I'm doing now and more in a really powerful way within a membership group. So I decided to do it and I've done it. So if you are somebody who is looking at your life and thinking, actually, I want this to feel more joyful. I want to be more fulfilled. I've got a lot of responsibility, but I'm sure there's a way. If you've been reading the personal development books, listening to the podcasts, knowing the information, but being stuck in terms of implementation, this membership group is for you. It is a beautiful, biodiverse ecosystem of women sharing and supporting each other. There's a whole load that will be going on in there, but not so much so that you'll be overwhelmed. Um, So I'm going to put a link in the show show notes so you can have a look. Um, And I'm telling you now, it's going to be the best £22.22 a month you spend. I guarantee it. Now to today's show. Today, I'm joined by Gail Mara, who is a hypnotherapist, and we had a really nourishing conversation about hypnotherapy, about our subconscious mind, and removing limitations so, in essence, we can live our best lives. I really feel like I should call this podcast the Nourishing Podcast or Nourishment or something like that, because I say this so many times, but all the conversations I've had so far... I guess I'm in alignment with the work I'm doing, which is really nourishing. Gail has such a nurturing way about her. I could have listened to her for hours. I can totally see why she's a hypnotherapist. Not only that, 
I geeked out like crazy. Gail really played into my love of, well, not played into, it's her job, but her job really sparked my love of psychology, science, neuroscience, a bit of um, metaphysical stuff. Oh, wow. We talked about things like how to calm and soothe the parasympathetic nervous system, the function of the vagus nerve. We talked about the power of hypnotherapy for making rapid changes and really went into quite a lot of detail about the um, subconscious mind and hypnotic states within our lifetimes. Sounds quite cryptic, but you just need to listen to be able to absorb what I'm saying. Gail's words were so powerful, they really informed some of the work I'm doing and really helped me to, um, I guess, figure out new research, not new research, but delve into a wider, deeper body of research to inform work I'm doing around busting limitations in a soulful way. Um, Man, so let me give you a flavour of Gail This is a quote from one of her Instagram posts that really, really took me. Here goes. There is a creature called a caterpillar who works on one level and one day it knows it's time to go inside and change. When it emerges, it's a beautiful butterfly. This quote made me think about a lot of the conversations I'm having with women in their late 30s, anxious about turning 40, or women in their 40s that are a bit anxious or just feel like their 40s don't look like what they thought it was going to look like. And it just makes me think about the fact that sometimes we need to go inside and change, but we don't go inside and make that change because we're so busy holding on to what was that we can't see what is. It's like we want to live in spring forever when there's a beautiful summer laying ahead of us. Anyway, this gives you a flavour of the conversation I had with Gail. I hope you really enjoy it. In fact, I'm sure you will really enjoy it. And there may be some points in time that you want to take some notes. I don't know. Maybe it's just the geek in me, but I hope the geek in me is speaking to the geek in you. Okay, over to the episode, because this has probably been the longest intro ever. Okay, guys, enjoy. Hello lovely people, how are you? I hope that you are wonderful, and if you're not wonderful, I hope you're okay. Um, It's spring properly, so I've got my windows open, so you might hear birds chirping, random police cars or lawnmowers mowing, Um, and that is the beauty of life, you know, I work from home. Um, So yeah, just wanted to let you know that first and foremost. Um, Now on to the main course. Uh, Today... I am joined by Gail Mara, who is a hypnotherapist, and um, she's like proper. She's got a practice in Harley Street, as well as in Tunbridge Wells, and we are going to be having a conversation about what she does, what hypnotherapy is, um, and whatever else comes up. I'm really, really looking forward to this conversation. When I was doing some research for this conversation, um, the, at the bottom of one of Gail's web pages says, your well-being is an investment 
not an expense. And that really spoke to my soul. And it's something that I talked about a couple of episodes ago with Rita Robinson, who is a homeopath, where we were talking about how we seem to be so um, obsessed to a degree with material spending that we can rationalise material spending more than spending on our health. So, for example, if I think about myself, I do not bat an eyelid at spending 100 quid on Air Max trainers. Um, And when I was fussing about paying to speak to or to have a consultation with a nutritional therapist, and I was like, oh, gosh, it's £95 a session, I had to look down at the JD Sports bag and check myself. Um, So, yeah, anyway, without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Gail um and say hi how are you hi I'm really well thank you so much for having me I'm really really pleased that you're here um please could you tell my listeners a bit about yourself and what you do okay so I am a clinical hypnotherapist and I have two busy clinics in uh, one in Harley Street and one in Tumbridge Wells I've actually just launched uh actually as a favour to a friend of mine, but a Friday afternoon clinic in South East London. So um, I work with uh, all adults and children. So my youngest client is seven. My oldest client is over 77. (laughs) So men, women, children. And uh, yeah, I absolutely love what I do. Hypnotherapy is nothing new. It's not like stage hypnosis. Um, it's uh, a therapy whereby we're just connecting back to our inner cells where we're able to quiet down all the noise of our busy thoughts and able to centre and rebalance. Sorry, Gail has paused. I have a really irrational thing about flies and bees I just hate the buzzing noise and a bee has just come in my window. That's one of the perks of um, having the windows open, but I'm just trying to shoo it out the window. I'm so sorry. I know it is totally irrational and I'm not even going to edit this bit out of the podcast because... Oh. We can talk about fears, Tammy. Oh, God. Irrational fears and phobias. <laughs> we, we, we certainly can. Now I'm tempted to close the window, but it's a really nice day. Sorry, this is the reality of life. Um, so sorry, you were telling us what hypnotherapy is, and I'm really interested in hearing more about it because um, if you don't really know, yeah, and you have a wild imagination like myself, you have uh, images of people clucking and barking when somebody closes the door for yes. months and months yeah. on end. Well, it's interesting because many, many years ago, I went with some friends to see a stage hypnotist, a very well-known stage hypnotist, and it was great fun. Um, but it's, and that is entertainment. And there's all kinds of wonderful uh, people that volunteer themselves for that kind of entertainment and take part in that kind of entertainment. But with hypnotherapy, you are always completely in control. And really, it's a guided meditation. Mm-hmm. Meditation is not easy for a lot of people, but a guided meditation is very easy. Yes. So in hypnosis, uh, clients are completely uh, in control. In fact, their senses are heightened. So they're in a heightened state of focus. And we can focus on finding solutions 
that, that we all have within ourselves to any problem. During? Absolutely, yes. So, it, depending on what people come to see me about, uh, we can focus on... I'm, I'm not so much interested in going back in time with clients. I'm a solution-focused therapist. Mm-hmm. So, if some, a client comes to me with an issue they'd like to work on, we work on finding their own inner resources to, uh, to overcome that problem, whatever that happens to be. It can be a physical problem like uh, irritable bowel works mm-hmm. really well uh, with hypnosis or responds very well to hypnosis, to depression, anxiety, stress, fertility, um, ADHD. There, there's really no end to how hypnotherapy can help you to improve and to make changes. Wow, that's really interesting. So it's real time. It's not all the exploring what happened when you were two and then what happened when you were 14. It's a real time solution to something that is present in your life at that time. Absolutely. I I do have, there are occasions when, uh, for instance, uh, post-traumatic stress. So we may have to visit uh, trauma or incidences in the past, but we we, we look at that from a distance Yes. And focus on how we can change behaviors and patterns and habits now and moving forward. Because we, we, we can spend a lot of time in the past, mm-hmm. thinking about the past, remembering the past. And when we remember the past, we feel it. Yes. And bring those emotions back. And that's a real waste of precious energy. Absolutely. Like the city of London with the energy that <laughs> used to be stressed and anxious. But there's no effort involved in being relaxed and calm and looking at situations then at a distance uh, more um, uh, logically uh, and looking at them, taking from situations the learning and moving forward and working more on the present day and, and how you can be better going forward. Gosh, I wish I'd met you when I left my full-time career in social work. It's literally taken me, uh, 2016 was my last full-time social work role. It literally took me from August 2006 or July 2016 until around February, March 2019 to distance myself from the story I was telling myself about social work and depletion and because it was a very real um again I'm referring to my conversation with Rita um podcast conversation with Rita she was talking about adrenal fatigue and how your adrenals um step up to pump adrenaline um when it thinks your body needs it and um I when I think about my career in social work and when I think about most social workers I know you run on adrenaline 24 7 and I was saying to Rita after our conversation I feel like I'm only just starting to come out of the burnout I experienced from that and because I was burnt out because I I really really hated social work for what it did to me and depletion and taking time away from family and blah 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 I I held that story so close I couldn't see the benefits and after a you know three years almost of unpicking and unpacking and unlearning and relearning I got to a point where I was like you're making yourself a victim of this thing well actually especially with this work you're doing now 
the vast majority of your social work is transferable. But I was so blocked from seeing it as transferable because I was so close to that previous loop story. And even when you were saying um, just now, you said something along the lines of it's not difficult to relax because of the way social work is and because of the way I was living. It has been really, really difficult to relax because I feel guilty relaxing even yeah, when I, I really so yesterday no Sunday I decided I am not even if inspiration comes I'm not doing anything about it if that idea floats off elsewhere then it wasn't mine in the first place but I had to have a conversation with myself about it yeah yeah I agree with you it's not easy to relax especially when we're in that fight and flight mode um, what I ought to have said, I suppose, is that it takes no energy to okay. relax. You're not, ex- you're not, uh, it, it, the, what's coming out when you're in a relaxed mode, you're um, giving out uh, oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, endorphins, all those wonderful feel-good chemicals. Mm-hmm. And that floods the body with, with that rest and digest. It's interesting you're talking about the adrenals because I work a lot, I guess, focusing on the vagus nerve. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Well, I, there's a really great and simple breathing technique. You can stimulate the vagus nerve with breathing from the diaphragm, diaphragmatic breath. Mm-hmm. And they use that in yoga and in meditation. They breathe, I think, in for five and out for five. There's various uh, uh, ways to do it. But I work on a 711, breathing in for seven, out for 11 at a certain pace and in a certain time. And it triggers the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is the top of the central nervous system. So... When we're in fight and flight and we're pumping out adrenaline and cortisol, uh, the vagus nerve is triggering the sympathetic nervous system. Now, that, that fight and flight, that anxiety, is only meant for short bursts of energy. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the saber-toothed tiger. Is man going to be lunch or is saber tiger going to be lunch? Are we going to run, freeze or, or, or fight? Mm-hmm. So short bursts of energy, or like if you're an, an athlete, if you're competing, you, you want that adrenaline, you want your muscles to fire up, mm-hmm. you need to be ready to perform. But then the rest of the time, we need to be in what's called rest and digest, the parasympathetic nervous system, rest and digest, whereby the brain is now sending out all those wonderful chemicals, I call them the happy chemical quartet. Mm-hmm. All those things that people get, uh, uh, many people will go and get prescribed and over the counter. Well, we've got it in abundance in our brains anyway. So it's about learning how to, and hypnosis is very much like this in general, learning how to uh, rediscover your natural um, tools and resources, everything that we're born with. You think we are all born, although babies are born crying, but it's not stressful crying yeah. like Set crime. So we're born and we're in that chill mode and we know how to get fed and we know how to get changed and we know how to be picked up. And, and, and interestingly enough, we're only born with two fears and that's the fear of loud noises and the fear of being dropped. Wow. The fear is learnt behaviour. So if we learn them, we can unlearn it. Yes. Yeah. I, Interesting, you're talking about the, the past and how we, we, we all think a lot about the past and worry a lot about the future. 
I guess that's where now where they call it mindfulness comes in, being present. It's not easy. No. Even as you and I are talking, I would imagine conscious mind has gone off to what what happened earlier with with the bee or the wasp or the fly. <laughs> Do you know or, what? I'm not too bad at that. I did a, um, I'm almost at the end of a, it's a mindfulness holistic coaching course. And it's come at a right time because I've done so much personal development work to have it sort of um, given form in an academic framework. Yeah. I am the original mind wanderer, but I have, and it hasn't taken, well, I guess the effort came in all the work I was doing beforehand, but I've actually got quite good at being in the moment, but yeah. it's taken a lot of practice. And that's what, I didn't realise before and when I'm seeing people and speaking to people what I'm seeing is we want this insta life when actually unlearning and relearning it's it's bloody boring because it's a lot of practice yeah it is yeah and you and there's and the mind wanders but it's good that the mind wanders what we do uh, very often in meditation is difficult for people because we're trying to empty the mind well that's impossible the only time the conscious mind is quiet is when we're asleep in that deep delta mode otherwise conscious mind is busy 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 Subconscious mind works 24-7, 365, it never switches off. Yeah. So the, the idea of emptying your mind is quite impossible. Yeah. But in hypnosis, we can learn how to quiet the thoughts down, kind of settle them down, let the thoughts enter, acknowledge them and let them leave. There's a lovely old Chinese saying, um, someone will probably correct me, I've got it wrong uh, in some way, but it's, Always allow your thoughts to come through. Just don't offer them tea. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so you're not getting entertaining them. You're welcoming them in. Yeah, I see that you're there and now you can go thank you. And just letting those thoughts go while your subconscious mind starts coming up with solutions. Yes. Because yes. Conscious, your subconscious mind is your gut, it's your instinct, it's your all-seeing, all-knowing. It's the part that's making our hair grow, our nails grow, being in our heart, making us breathe, healing cuts, healing ourselves. It's, mm-hmm. it's phenomenal, yet we don't tap into it. We live in our conscious mind worrying or, or procrastinating or, or being fearful. Now, I have to congratulate you, and I really mean that, because you say it's taken you three years. I think that's phenomenal to have changed yourself, to have, to have realized that you have the power to change how you're feeling and thinking and remembering many people will go all their life uh, mm. without that and I, I remember all uh, a Tolstoy uh, a Leo Tolstoy story Ivan Ivovich probably got that wrong anyway but Ivan the life the death of Ivan Ivovich and he's a really miserly miserable old git <laughs> who hates his life and hates his wife and she's quite devoted to him but nevertheless um, he's gone through loads of money. He's had all these wonderful things, all this material stuff in his life, but he's miserable. Mm-hmm. He's hated everything. And on his deathbed, he looks at his wife and he says, what if my whole life has been a mistake? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if this has been wrong? So, and then he, then he shuffled, off the, shuffled off the mortal coil, I may call it, don't they? But it sticks in my mind, things like that. And we all have such enormous potential um, so I think you did amazingly well and continuing. Look, and you've changed your life. Mm. 
fabulous. It is about choice, isn't it? It's about competence, choice, and then and then doing it, yeah. doing something yeah. with it, because we can all have these great ideas. And then sit on Bingo. It. Right. So I was on your um, Instagram page and you that your most recent post. So, 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 so beautiful. I had to write it down. Where is it gone now? Um, yeah, it's uh, and it really struck me because I have a lot of conversation. You know, 360, this brand is aimed at women in their late 30s and 40s. And um, this quote made me think about a lot of conversations I'm having with women in their late 30s that are anxious about becoming 40 or women who are in their 40s but anxious that their 40s don't look like what they're, in inverted commas, supposed to. Mm. Um, And so what was it? It said... um, So it said, so your quote was, there is a creature called a caterpillar who works on one level and one day it knows it's time to go inside and change. When it emerges, it's a beautiful butterfly. And that really struck me because something that I've noted in conversations I'm having, which are really interesting because as much as we're different, we are all the same. Um, Because I'm thinking about myself and I'm thinking about the women that I speak to and it's like we get stuck at the caterpillar phase so we become overgrown caterpillars watching (laughs) little caterpillars that are supposed to be caterpillars having the time of their life as caterpillars and Mm. then we're watching the caterpillars that went inside did the cocoon thing emerged as butterflies and we're Mm. watching them but we're sitting as overgrown caterpillars because we're scared of the change really yeah how can we when approaching you know this kind of midlife section Mm. apart from making appointments with you which we all should what else can (laughs) we do to begin to embrace life changes yeah because it's going to change we can be stagnant but we will just be those overgrown caterpillars absolutely we are um we evolve we're evolutionary evolution it's a big word (laughs) creatures we evolve so think about how many so your spirit your soul your essence your higher self your subconscious whatever you want to call it whatever Mm, my language um we've lived in many many bodies already We've lived in the bodies of a baby, of a toddler, of a yeah, as a pubescent child, as a as an adult, as, as a teenager, then an adult. Uh, ex- exciting years of teenage years. Never want to go back there. <laughs> Luckily, you don't have that choice. But so we evolve and we grow, and we should we should we should. It's not easy. Celebrate every era mm-hmm. of our lives. I happen to love my fifties. I feel um, uh, energized, I'm motivated, I'm free from the opinion of others. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel, and, and I'm able to enjoy my family more than when I rush through it like a bull in a china shop mm-hmm. trying to do everything all at once. Um, how, okay, so your, your question is how can we learn to embrace mm. our different eras, I guess? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's to not... I get everybody's different, but for me, I, I wouldn't. I don't wish to go back. I like to think of myself as really taking, bringing forward everything I've learnt, and keeping myself healthy physically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. So 
we mentioned right at the uh, at the beginning that people invest in their uh, physical health. We know what to eat. Most of us we know yeah. what to drink. We know to exercise. Yeah. Yeah. We know uh, how to how to live our lives healthily. But very often neglect the, our, our minds. Our, mm. So without that emotional balance, what have you got? You've got nothing. Yeah. So uh, I, it's about embracing the changes and finding, always be on a journey of self-discovery. Mm-hmm. What do I like today that I didn't like 10 years ago? What might I like in 10 years' time? You know, what things can I do differently now I've got all this wisdom and knowledge that I've brought forward? Mm-hmm. What can I offer? How can I serve? What I can love. I song? Yeah. I love I, that. And it's, it's really... I'm just looking at the notes I've made for this conversation and something that I've written here is about um, creating new habits for the season we're in rather than doing the same things over and over. And the reason I wrote that is because I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and she was talking about um, going out. We were both talking about doing things on our own that we wouldn't have considered to before because um, we were just... we were saying to each other that it's almost like we get stuck in a rut of what is fun what is enjoyment what we do for our energy boosts and we don't take time to explore what suits us now so I'm, I'm just thinking about the amount of times that Perhaps a friend has talked about going clubbing. I haven't wanted to go because I'm really not that interested anymore. Sometimes it takes me and I want to and that's it. But I was thinking about the fact that some people still enjoy that sort of thing and that's fine. But I don't. But because there have been times where I felt like I've got no choice and if I want to see my friends, I've got to go along and do this thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like putting myself in a situation where I I I generally don't feel old I just feel like whatever I feel like but if I'm going to a place that I thoroughly enjoyed when I was 28 but I'm not enjoying anymore of course I'm going to feel old of course I'm going to feel out of place and of course I'm going to feel like it's Groundhog Day because I'm forcing myself into a pattern of joy that no longer serves me yeah um so we were talking about how important it has been for us to actually and this might sound really like extra but for me I had to write down what are my values what brings me joy what are the things that I enjoy doing so that I could have a clear sort of framework for what I enjoy so that I had wow okay that's interesting so that I had the confidence to be able to say you guys go and do that that's fun I prefer to do something else, so I'm going to do that. When we find yeah. our middle ground, we can do that. Yeah. And that, it was confidence, because it was a bit like, what, don't you want to do what we're doing anymore? Mm. No, I don't. And and it's yeah. not a criticism of you, and it's not a slight on me. Well, I love that, and that is confidence. Breakthrough. Yeah, absolutely right, because we should be able to say no, uh, or, or yes, yeah. and not be uh, offended and not to expect other people to take offense mm-hmm. we are individuals and that's the beauty of, of maturing isn't yeah. it being really having that it, it's liberating to say nah when i and, and i 
I hear you a million percent because my husband and I often invited to to dances or to rays or to nightclubs and I'm like oh my god a friend of mine <laughs> said to me uh, she was invited to Annabelle's and she nearly fell through the floor thinking please god no I mean how can I get out of this so in our 20s oh my goodness if in my 20s I imagined that we went to a friend's 60th birthday uh, on Saturday uh, and it was just such an amazing evening mm-hmm. but if I'd have seen myself in my 20s going to a 60th birthday party wow it never. Just, you were never going to be 60 when you were in your 20s 60 was some place way exactly. over there. <laughs> do people even live to be 60 but I didn't know yeah so so yeah it, it's just moving and grooving isn't it it's just evolving yeah. and doing what feels right mm-hmm. if it feels right do it mm-hmm. and I think that the, I don't know if this is an evolutionary thing if this is a maturity thing but I think that we're very much more becoming aware of how we feel so society is dictating that we ought to feel like this or do this or be like that or look like this but it doesn't feel right so we're paying more attention to our gut our instinct mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what it's all about. So I always say, if somebody says to me, oh, I went and I'm 50 and I went clubbing all night, and I said, did it feel good? They say, yeah, and I said, well, keep doing it. Exactly. You know, exactly. but me, I'd rather have a glass of Pinot and an early night. <laughs> exactly. I've just got to be honest you know? about what energises me, and exactly. that doesn't energise. I'm not saying that I never do it and I'll never do it again, but for that to be my go-to source, it's just not there um, yeah. anymore. Um so yeah, that that's something that's definitely been interesting for me yeah. um, moving into this period of my life. Um, I want to talk a bit about um, how you got into um, hypnotherapy, um, and this is a quote from your website. Um, <laughs> uh, when I began to suffer heart palpitations, insomnia, migraines, and panic attacks, I went to my doctors for help. Help came in the form of antidepressants and the sage advice to cut down my 20-a-day smoking habit. But the medication only put a plaster over the issues that I now couldn't deal with as I was going through my daily routine in a Valium-induced stupor. My ailments increased, as did my smoking habit. So you became involved with hypnotherapy initially as a client of hypnotherapy. Yes, I did. Hypnotherapy, um, yes, as a, as a therapy on its own. So I come from, Mar- I, I grew up in, or cut my teeth in Margaret Thatcher's era. Right. Where in the 80s, where women, uh, and rightly so, but women were, you can do it all. You can yeah. have the family, yeah. you can have yeah. the mortgage, you can yeah. go to work, you can pay for a nanny, you can do it, and do all this stuff. And, and I was in the mix of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I, um, I was in banking and finance from a young age. I bought my first apartment when I was 18. I thought oh, I could I do this. I got married at 19. I had my daughter when I was 20. Wow. I, yeah, I did. That's like myself. a baby nowadays. Exactly. And I was. I can remember when they were discharging me from hospital. Uh, I had a cesarean section with my daughter. And back then, it sounded the good old days. They kept you in hospital for yeah. two weeks. Yeah. So I was like, happy days, and I was being waiting on hand and foot. When they sent me home, I said, are you serious? Are you going to send me home? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm 20. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was scary times. So um, 
I had my daughter at home and, and realized that the um, marriage was just puppy love and that was all kind of crazy and silly and it was we were on we weren't suited any longer um and I went back out to work and I would then the Falklands war happened oh, during this wow, time yeah. and I was so anxious about bringing a child into what could have been they they touted it then as a potential third world war it was yeah very, it was huge yeah and then being responsible for this little human and being a single parent and all these just so I began become uh, a bit of a hype, not even a bit of a hypochondriac, hypochondriac. And so in, these are days before the computers, and I, so I would take my baby in her pram to the library, go to the medical section, and start looking at any symptoms that I could relate to. Mm-hmm. And then I'd get the doctors. Oh, my God, I think this is wrong, this is wrong, and that is wrong. For me, I was lucky because although my doctor did prescribe Valium because that was standard protocol, and sometimes still is, unfortunately, he was also a friend of mine. He's only a few years older than me. And so he, he just said, you know, Gail, you are stressed to the max. I said, I'm not, actually. I'm handling everything really well. But, of course, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. So uh, I started then to get involved in stress management. And I uh, got involved. I studied NLP and uh, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, and, and to help me. Mm-hmm. And then I started working one-to-one with friends and colleagues in, in, my, in the finance industry because everyone was stressed out to them, like smoking, drinking, mm-hmm. late nights, and all sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it evolved. I started to read a lot and try to find out how I could help myself. So, but, back, but fast forward a little bit to hypnotherapy. Yeah, I had a friend of mine who was a hypnotherapist, and she had a... A clinic she just launched and she said oh come along and and I said where are you she said I'm in Mayfair and I thought oh we can go and drink <laughs> and smoke in restaurants back then you see so I, I'm like happy days it'll give me a day off from my stressful work and, and all that kind of stuff so we went along I went along to a clinic which is lovely she said I've got this new thing about no smoking and by this time uh Tamu, I knew that uh I I felt that smoking was going to kill me because I could feel it, the impact it was having on my breathing, on my health, mm-hmm. on, on everything. So in the back of my mind, I wanted to stop, but I wasn't, I hadn't made that conscious decision. Long story short, she said, let me try this new program out on you. And I'm like, hurry up, because I just want to go and eat and drink and smoke. Yeah. Uh, so we had this session and I seemed to, I remember being very aware of everything and thinking, oh, bless her, isn't that lovely, bless her. But it wasn't going to work for me. So the day panned out, we went to lunch, and I left. I came home. I picked my kids up from school. We did our homework. I put them to bed. I sat down with a glass of wine, and somebody thought, have I smoked? Oh, my, oh my goodness. I hadn't smoked. And then I went to bed. I woke up in the morning. I could smell shampoo. Wow. Thought, goodness, my hair smells nice. Have I smoked? And then that's what happened, and that was... So when you remembered that you hadn't smoked, did you mm. think, oh, I want to smoke? No. Wow. So she hit a lot of my triggers, uh, and that's really important in hypnosis, and I say to everybody, you, it's so important to resonate with your therapist because if you're not on the same wavelength, try all you might. It's not going to work. Yeah. Uh, you, you may as well do self-hypnosis, which, by the way, is wonderful too. But you have to resonate. You have to feel comfortable that this person can help you find the best in you yeah. and as it happened she knew me fairly well anyway and so it worked beautifully yeah mm-hmm. and I used it again in 2008 I'm babbling on I hope I'm not over no gosh I'm loving it 
But in 2000, so I was born in America and I've always traveled all my life, traveled from one state to another. We immigrated here and I'm always going back and forth. I've traveled alone. My sister and I, we traveled as children alone together uh, and what have you. And in 2008, I had a few hair-raising experiences on, on flights, which usually I'm like, oh, you know. And in, in 2008, my husband and I flew out uh, to for Obama's inauguration. And we took a few uh, detours along the way, and I became really nervous until I said to my husband, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get back home. On the, I'm so wow. afraid to fly. I don't know if I'm going to get back home. What made that happen? Well, I don't know. It's like a creeper, but yeah. I think a few hairy flights just somehow triggered all kinds of fears yes. in me because all fears are irrational. Like you said yourself when you were flying, <laughs> talking to fly. It's irrational. It is. It all is. are irrational, but yeah. it doesn't matter because they're still you feel the fear. Yeah. Your brain is still pumping out that adrenaline. You're in fight and flight, even if it's only you and the fly or me in the airplane. Yeah. Anyway, um, a friend of mine, uh, actually our next door neighbour uh, in the states, she recommended this guy to me who happened to be a th- hypnotherapist in uh, Winter Haven in Florida. And I went along, and my husband's dragging the seat, thinking, oh, God, what are we doing? <laughs> and anyway, I went along. He recorded the session for me, and I listened to it for – we were out there for three months, so I listened to it for the last two weeks leading up to coming home. Um, I knew I had to get home because my daughter announced that she was expecting baby. Oh. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to flap my wings and get home. Or somehow I'm getting home. Yeah. Uh, I listened to the audio, and again, I've never looked back. I love flying like I've always done. Wow, we. And I've just erased that fear, uh, acknowledged it, and then erased it, and and it's been amazing for me. So in so many ways, it's helped me. So it kind of, it found you. I like that. It it, it did. It really did, yeah. So, like, something that I'm really interested in, because I'm definitely in a period of transition, and I'm coming around to the fact that I'll probably always now be in transition, because um, I've moved away from trying to know lots of stuff and appreciating the fact that I don't know lots of stuff and and I'm enjoying learning like I've just made room for learning just by the fact of accepting and not being ashamed of the fact that I don't know stuff so but thinking about transition Mm. so you've had some big ones divorce working in the city challenges that led you to um hypnotherapy Mm -hmm doing your NLP training, CBT training, becoming a hypnotherapist, a hypnotherapist with a Harley Street presence. <laughs> Are you like a naturally ambitious person? Or if not, like how 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 have you made these shifts and how did you get focused? Because whilst you were making these shifts, you were a mother, you've had like heavy careers lots of responsibility and something I hear time and time again is that fear of well I don't I there's this change that I want to make there's I can see myself on the horizon but I don't want to walk towards it because I'll have to make changes or I've got kids or I've got responsibility or my job is really demanding how did you make that shift and 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 have that focus to do the things that I it seems like you feel felt called to do yeah um, I don't even know if I can answer that other than I just have, and I think we all have an inner knowing 
don't we, that there's more Mm -hmm. if we want it. And people say... um, If we want it. If we want it. And the other thing is, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about what we don't want. Yeah. Gail. (laughs) Gail. And I stop myself in my tracks when I hear myself say that. Thank you. Because the more you, you think about what you don't want, the more of it appears as if by magic. Yeah. Yeah. And we get so entrenched in thinking about what we don't want, we don't leave any room to think about what we do want. There was a lady, I've said this a couple of times, but it was so profound for me. There was a lady who was talking about all the things she didn't like and all the things she didn't want. And when I asked her, well, what do you like? I said, if you were to say these are the things, what would you say are the things that bring you joy? And the silence was palpable and then came the tears. She became really upset because she just said, I have forgotten what makes me feel good, what makes me feel happy, what makes me feel joyful. But I'm telling you, as long as my arm, what she didn't like. That's right. There you go. And more attracting more without sounding um, sort of new age. And it's not new age, by the way. It's millions of years or thousands of years Mm -hmm. old is uh, the law of attraction. Yeah. Um, and, and I love to read and hear about the law of attraction and manifesting, because if we if we look at where we are in our lives, if we really were brutally honest with ourselves and take responsibility for a lot of why we are where we are. Yeah. Not even finger you know. snaps today, guys. It's claps. <laughs> responsibility. Hello. Yeah. So uh, rather than he made me feel this way, she made me do that, this made this happen. No, because it's all about choice. You have a choice. And even in your darkest moments, and we've all had them, and some people are still having them, you still have that free will. We have it. It's innate. No one can rob you of your free will. No one can rob you of your mind power, your brain power, your your ambition, your desires, your dreams. No one can rob you of that. So they're yours to embrace. Um, with meditation, it's very uh, useful to meditate on the things you want, mm-hmm. the things you expect, but, but feeling as though you already have them. Thinking is one thing, as we said earlier, but feeling, when you attach emotion to something, your subconscious mind takes it as reality. Two important things. Uh, Your subconscious mind does not distinguish between a real event or an imagined event. So it doesn't distinguish between a negative thought and a positive one either. It's not making those kind of decisions for you. So, for instance, if we something we, we used to do a lot in uh, in our training is you'd imagine, I won't go through it, we don't have time, but very quickly, if you were to close your eyes and imagine you had a juicy ripe lemon and imagine really get there in your mind and cut the lemon in half and feel and smell the lemon juice, feel it going through your fingers and drip it in your mouth, you go through that, I'm swallowing already, because mm-hmm. you start to salivate. Mm-hmm. Subconscious mind is assuming you've got this lemon in your hand because you're imagining it. In the same way, then, you can flip that. If you're imagining doom and gloom, subconscious mind is going to fill you full of those depressing thoughts, Mm -hmm. adrenaline, cortisol, going into fight, a battle. Another thing, really, um, I hope I don't go off uh, track here, but healing and health is so important because if we, those who, who think a lot and talk a lot about ill health, are very often the people that experience it. People that think and talk a lot about health and prosperity, so good health mm-hmm. and prosperity, often 
are experiencing that. Mm -hmm. So like I say, it's important once you make that connection to, I, I'm, I recognize how I'm thinking now. I'm, I'm saying things like, oh, knowing my luck, that's going to go really wrong. I had a phase of saying that about parking tickets. I had so many bloody parking tickets. There was It wasn't even a phase, it was years. And I had to really say to myself, you're just calling that in. That's right. I want to be clear, though, because I know how the internet works. Mm -hmm. We are having this conversation. By no means are we saying something along the lines of people who have got cancer for example have thought about cancer so much they've welcomed oh it into their life that's not it and I yeah. know that there are a number of women who listen to my podcast that have been or are in abusive relationships now there yeah. is a distinction around that we are not saying by any means you sat down and thought about well I, I don't think Gail's saying that you sat down and thought about a abusive relationship so therefore you've manifested it there right. are things that happen outside of our control the piece yeah. that is being discussed here is the piece that we can take ownership of and yes. the piece that we can do something about and I know it takes bloody guts and courage but it is possible and yeah. when I speak to as a social worker I worked with women that were in abusive relationships all day long and um, through this work I have spoken to a number of women who were in abusive relationships and the difference between for example whether they were mothers from um, a low socioeconomic background or wealthy background and that's the thing people get confused mm -hmm. and they think social work is only for poor people I've worked with people that are lords and ladies the thing that is common amongst all of them from the most poorly educated to the most educated and the wealthy is there came at a point in that cycle of abuse where the victim of the abuse decided that they weren't going to take it anymore and they were going to do something about it and that is the piece we're talking about here yes absolutely i just wanted to be clear clear on that absolutely because things can be misconstrued and yes. i'm not in any uh, way shape or form advocating that that we bring everything into our awareness yes. what you mentioned there was interesting to me because um it is about controlling you we can't control what goes mm -hmm. on we can't control how other people act or think or behave or their choices and if we thought we could you know uh, people say, oh, I'm trying to change him or I'm trying to change her. Or, or it's not, You may as well try and change the weather yeah. because the only thing you can change is you. The only, the only thing you control, control is you. And I often use as an analogy for this how, how powerful we are inwardly is going back to my breathing technique, the, the vagus nerve, because if you control your breath, okay, so that's the most fundamental uh, automatic body function. We're born, the first thing we do is take a breath. So we don't have to remind ourselves to breathe. Subconscious mind does all that for us. But we can control it. Mm -hmm. So you can control that breath. So you can mm -hmm. take a short breath, a, a shallow breath, a, through your nose, through your mouth. You can breathe. You can hold your breath, swim underwater. So we're in relaxation in this uh, diaphragmatic breathing. You can control your breath so much so that you also lower your heart rate. You can lower your blood pressure. You start to change the brain chemistry and release those wonderful endorphins. So just by taking control of your breath, all those other natural bodily functions that we can take over makes me always, always just be joyful as to how much else is within our control. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. within us and not externally. And I think also when we accept that the only thing we can control is us, uh, then we're on to a good path. Hello. Yeah. Absol- yeah. Absolutely. Gosh, I'm just really lapping up this conversation. Um, I want to know a bit more about... Um, you talked, you touched on earlier um, self-hypnosis, I think you mm-hmm. said also. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to ask you to explain that. I think that uh, people can go off and do some research. But do you have any recommended resources to find out more information about self-hypnotherapy? Um, I think that anyone who wants to embark upon self-hypnosis, you know, I self-hypnosis, often... Self-hypnosis, yeah. Self-hypnosis, yeah. I, I, I record my own audios for myself. I go through, uh, I control... Uh, to the best of my ability, my menopause with with self-hypnosis. Even though I can't bear the sound of my own voice, you might be surprised because all I do is talk. (laughs) My my husband says, you love the sound of your own voice, don't you? Not recorded, I don't. um, So self-hypnosis is really a cross between meditation and positive affirmations. So if you're in a relaxed state, your conscious mind slows down, your subconscious mind becomes more sensitive to positive suggestion. And it's almost like reprogramming. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, our brains are the biggest computer yeah. that there will ever be. So yeah. it's been programmed. They now know that neuroscience now knows that the first seven years of a human's life is a state of hypnosis. You're downloading from the matrix. Wow, I've never considered it in that way. But yeah, like I'm, I'm just thinking about social work and all the studies we do about child development um, and about um, neurology and all of that kind of stuff and how the critical, how critical naught to seven is. But putting yeah. it in that way, oh my yeah. goodness. My nephew is nearly three. I absolutely, I just love observing him. Yeah. Um, sometimes I... I just look out the window watching him playing in the garden when he's round and um as you said that that makes so much sense there's so many times that I find him really inspirational just the fact that toddlers they're not going to stop doing something just because they can't do it they'll keep going on and on and on and on and on and literally as you were talking about the hypnosis I'm just thinking about I make up all kinds of songs for small children and um there's a song about him being the best, just the way he puffs up. Um, yes. Wow, gosh, that's that's made me feel all the feels. You feel, it's made my hair stand up. You're 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 downloading positive information to him, and that's what we should do. And then what happens? So you see your 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 your, uh, your nephew. You said, didn't you? you yeah. We see children playing. They can get in a cardboard box and they can pretend they're flying to the moon, or yes. they can. Pretend, get an umbrella and jump off a small step and they're Mary Poppins and, yeah. and and we just encourage them to explore that imaginative mind then they go to school and it's all undone yeah. stop dreaming, stop staring out the window you can't, that box is not a toy <laughs> and, and, then you, and then we get to an older age we have to come to therapy to remember how to use our imagination oh my gosh Gail, are you inside my mind? I have had a couple of conversations recently about just thinking back, so in all this personal development work, realizing that 
I'd been carrying like a really cumbersome, heavy mask and peeling back the layers of that mask. And I'm just thinking, so joy is my thing. I think we can access joy all day, every day if we actively seek it. And for me, happiness is different to joy. If I'm bloody angry, I cannot be happy, but I can still find joy within my anger. So I was thinking about how I got to a point in life where I had this really big fortress built up and it was those things like um my dad always used to say to me my head is full of play um there's been times where um I was told that I was too kind I was too generous I was too giving I'm very childlike um I'm too gesticular all of those things I kind of shied away from or if I was doing it even up until recently actually it's an ongoing thing I'm a work in progress whatever so there are times when I'm talking and I'm doing something and I'll come away and I think shit I was too gesticular people aren't going to take me seriously but then that's the very thing that people who are open to it I'm like a magnet for um and so it's literally that case of I've literally been in a place where I have been exploring those childlike qualities that made life feel like rainbows and diamonds and whatnot and actually saying to myself that is who I was before the conditioning really got deep there you go. I'm getting back to that yeah I, like literally so I've been talking a lot about coming home to myself like literally I'm coming home and and even my name um it's a Swahili word and it means it means sweet it means joyful and as a name it means the one who brings joy wow well, hello hello let me bring that joy to myself and then emit that everywhere I go you know we all have you know back in the day they used to call it an aura oh I can see your aura when that's your fact it's measurable your our energy fields are measurable and you can see that uh, uh, even with heat measurements but they can actually measure now um our uh, our energy field and you know even with the EEGs they used to put those nets on and they'd have all these electrodes yeah. stretched, they can now do EEGs from six inches above the head they don't even have to touch the head in wow. neurology test now so we have this energy field and that's why you you are are exuding that that joy and that love and people are attracted to it because that's the energy that surrounds you mm. and even though we can't see it we can feel it we're attracted to it you know when you walk into a room and it, you, you're lifted uplifted by the energy in the room or not in yes. the case of me yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you pick up those energy fields yeah. and I love all these things you're saying about you and especially the fact that you're always evolving I hope I'm always evolving I don't know who I'm going to be tomorrow. One thing I do know, and I heard this really nice analogy once, probably by Wayne Dyer, who, God rest his soul, I used to love listening yeah. to Wayne Dyer. I still yeah. do, actually. Yeah, me too. And he came up with this, this thing once about a snake bite, and he said, no one has ever died from a snake bite. That it's the poison uh-huh. that goes through the system. It's the venom. It's those old memories, that anger that we feel, that resentment or distrust or whatever that happens to be, that's what gets us. So to get rid of uh, being stuck in the past, which is what we were talking about right in the beginning, and being more present, so being more mindful, being trying to, if, if meditation's not that easy, just trying to find a quiet five minutes in anyone's day should be easy where there's no distraction. Yeah. Turn off your phone, shut down your laptop, turn off the television, be quiet for 
for a few moments and see what comes up. Yeah. Yeah. I know that I've had to do very recently. There's things that I've wanted to do in my life and I kept feeling I was blocked and I couldn't understand why things weren't working and surely I'm doing everything right. And, and in one of my meditations, it came to me that I had a lot of forgiveness to do for the past that I hadn't let go. Mm. And, oh, it doesn't bother me. I'm fine with what happened there. Well, of course, I wasn't. And once I was able to offer forgiveness to that person or those people or circumstances and then accept my, my own part in it, I suddenly the things that I wanted to start to fall in and they're not always the things that you you're not always where you think you are you ought to be. Yeah. yeah. You're very often where you ought to be, for whatever reason. Yeah. 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 Oh gosh, Gail, I could continue talking to you all day, but yeah, um... we should just follow this up with a coffee or lunch. No cigarettes involved. No cigarettes, thank goodness. I I am here for that. But before I let you go and go and do all your hypnotherapy stuff, um, could you tell us um, of any books or resources or websites um, that you recommend for people that are curious about trying to reprogram? their I guess subconscious minds gosh there's a lot of good stuff out there today um I because I have because I love psychology and I studied psychology for so many years I I, I kind of like real factual um books and mm-hmm. there might not be everybody's cup of tea uh, but if you want store that back in the 80s I read A Course in Miracles it's not going to be everybody's cup you know of what? tea I've got that I have got that but I absolutely love Marianne Williamson she introduced yeah. me she introduced me to uh-huh. A Course in Miracles <clears throat> and I got it and I opened it and I was like this is like the bible Yes, it is a bit... Yes, it is. That's why it's not everyone's cup of tea. But I like the... Ex- you know the second half, which is the exercises? I like the yeah. exercises, but what I now know is that exercises come to life and mean a lot more when you've read. So yeah. I am going to read it. It just feels a bit big for me right now. It, it is, it is. But back in the day when I read it, it was one of the first sort of inverted commas self-help kind of books. And then you have Wayne Dyer. I've, I've probably read all of his books. Uh, your Erinus Zones, he wrote that back in the 70s. That's a great read. You see, even Wayne Dyer, he went from being very factual, because he was a university lecturer, I believe, mm-hmm. to being very godly. Mm-hmm. And I suppose if you can take away the, the God, because what is God if not the higher consciousness yeah. and whatever it is to whoever it is, yeah. Um, the uh, the erogenous zones, erogenous zones. Sorry, not erogenous. <laughs> Gail. <laughs> a story for another day. <laughs> anyway, I'm menopausal, so I'm way <laughs> No way, Jose. No, no way. way. I don't accept that. that but also, um, oh gosh, I'm reading uh, the biology of belief, Dr. Mm. Bruce Lipton. That's an amazing read. It's still very factual. I like a bit of factual. I like yeah. I like the combination. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm thinking, sorry, taking over what you're saying, but <laughs> even back to that story of victimhood, I was a victim to my social work. Now that I've distanced myself from that, I'm actually allowing my... Because when you do like self-help, personal development, all of that, there's a branch that kind of says, if you need evidence for everything, that means you're doubting yourself. And I really sort of had to grapple with that. And only when I learned to distance myself from my victimhood story, I was like, you know what, that's okay for you, but I'm me. Yeah. And 
I'm meeting so many people who like that blend. And yes. so I think yes. about it in the context of social work. With social work, we dealt with the issue. Then yeah. you had a look at, let's call it the science. So it was like quite often it was the psychiatry or the um, psychology that sort of um, makes sense of and unpicks that and, and looks at the genesis of that thing. Then it was the um, analysis. So it's your practical experience taking into account all of the um, the stuff to do with the issue, the stuff to do with the science and dis- yeah. then distilling it down into a plan. Actually, that works for a lot of people and it can help people move from what I call that opioid glow of inspiration and then not doing anything about it. Because that inspiration, when you don't do anything about it, that can just start to fester and turn into like negativity inside. And you're like, oh, I'm so rubbish. I haven't done this. I've read all these books. I should know better. But you're not going to know the better until you put it into action. Well, absolutely right. You have to you have to connect it to it. You have to experience it because just having the 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 knowledge is not enough. Yes. Um, even Einstein said that, didn't he? Knowledge knowledge is oh god, I'm forgetting that now. But imagine imagination is everything. Yes. Knowledge is power, but imagination is everything. That yeah. that was to that effect. Um, what, a book I'm reading at the moment, which is really interesting, is called The Chimp Paradox. Oh, yes. I've heard that uh, recommended a lot. Yeah, that's an interesting book because it really, it, it, and it's it's funny in places. You really see how this chimp uh, distracts you and makes you do the things you shouldn't be doing or makes you procrastinate. And that's a really good book. Yeah. Um, and then Paul Costello, I love his books. They have depth and meaning to all of his uh, his stories and yeah, I just tend to read things that are inspirational, things yeah. that are going to fire me up and give me a fresh perspective. Yes. So that every day I wake up with a, I try to wake up with a good energy mm-hmm. and, and just welcoming and grateful for every day. I'm grateful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My mum's financial advisor, um, 48, went to sleep, didn't wake up. That was just oh last week. <gasps> so, yeah, so we do... That, that that being grateful thing is is huge. It's not some yes. frivolous thing that is reserved for people that have got millions in the bank and all these Absolutely. assets. Yeah. Um, Gail, do you have anything coming up that people can book onto or take part in? Or I don't really have anything coming up. I don't tend to do my seminar giving days uh, long in the past, and they would have been investment related. Investment not not in yourself either. Okay. <laughs> but um. No, I I have a newsletter that people can uh, sign up to. I, I keep a blog and, mm-hmm. I, and I try and uh, write blogs every couple of weeks mm-hmm. um, on various subjects. Um, I have on my website a, down, a complimentary download where people can uh, download instructions to that breath, for the yeah. one breath, which is really useful. That one minute breath will take you from stress to calm in the space of one minute. Mm-hmm. Who has to I've downloaded minute? that. I'm going to listen to that after. Please. Yeah, so it probably is 10 minutes long in, in the instruction, but the, the breath, once you get the pattern, takes one minute, takes 60 seconds to switch off that adrenaline and cortisol and to switch on those endorphins. It's, it's magical. Mm. So I, I really, I recommend that. Um, Where yeah. can people find you if they want to explore your um, hypnotherapy services? Okay, so my website... 
www.gailmarahypnotherapy.com. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. Thank you. Um, and I know I've got lots of information about hypnotherapy and, and what we treat and about my background and my mm-hmm. clinical practice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, I'm, and I also, I'm, I am very happy to always have a one-to-one conversation with anyone prior to scheduling an appointment. Okay. Uh, and I'll spend time um, and I'm happily give up my time if anyone wants to talk about things before they book. Brilliant. That is absolutely fantastic. Um, And I will also add your Instagram handle um, to the show notes so that if people want to connect you. Although I'm not very good at uh, social media. I asked my daughter to do it and then she said, oh, mum, I'm bored of it. I said, (laughs) I know you have to have a print. You might think you're not good at it, but um, what you like, sometimes I think we think we're not good at it because we're not doing loads. But what you post is quality, quality over quantity every time. Thank you. My best. Yeah, brilliant. Um, And uh, thank you very much for your time. I um, am going to be having a look through your website because I I want I want some hypnotherapy. Um, So I'm going to be checking that out. And um, I look forward to meeting you. You said it now for this coffee or this lunch. I hope so. Uh, You've been an absolute joy, and, and I really really feel privileged to to have taken part so thank you oh thank you very much gail have and a good you, day you beauty do you know that you really oh, do you're beautiful yeah you are own it thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> all right gail take care you take care bye. bye thank you for listening to 360 conversations i appreciate you sharing your precious time with my guest and i i hope you found the episode useful I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review my podcast like an increasing number of our digital experiences, the algorithms rule. Your feedback will assist me reaching a wider audience and I'd really love to have more women being privy to or joining these conversations. The feedback I get following each episode is beautiful and tells me more women could benefit. As always, I'd love to keep the conversation going. You can join me by commenting on the podcast show notes on my website or via social media at Live360. I hope to engage with you soon. Podcast produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. Take care.